0: I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness episode number 76. Today, we talk with one of the greatest guitar virtuosos in the world who has lived a vegetarian lifestyle for over 38 years. It's time to get tuned up for another life-changing episode. This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life Changing Wellness.
1: Life Changing Wellness.
0: Here's Dr. Ward Bond. Well, welcome, everyone. We have a fantastic show for you. And you know that uh, I like to bring you the best, and you're going to get the best today. And before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me. And I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And I encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com. Dr. Bond. While many artists fit easily into a single category, my guest today, Steve Vai, remains unclassifiable. He is a musical alchemist of the highest order, and throughout the years, Steve Vai has awed fans of all genres with his exceptional guitar skills and musicianship. He boasts career sales of over 15 million records, 15 Grammy nominations and 3 Grammy wins and has toured the world as a solo artist, as a member of G3, and with Frank Zappa in bands such as Alcatraz, the David Lee Roth Band, and Whitesnake. While as an accomplished audio producer, Vi has written, produced, and engineered all of his solo albums released via Favored Nations, his own independent record label that has released over 70 albums by legendary musicians. And for Steve Vai, virtuosity and versatility are not mutually exclusive. He has created music for blockbuster films, best-selling video games, national sports franchises, and corporate brand initiatives. And his career accomplishments have earned him honorary doctorates from Berklee College of Music, and Musicians Institute. Well, I am honored to introduce to you absolutely unclassifiable, the great Steve Vai. Welcome to the show.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much. Boy, i listening to that. I I, I wonder if I'm what people think I am.
0: <laughs> uh, I could tell you from all of my friends who are guitar players uh, and fans of yours, uh, you definitely fit that uh, very, very well. <laughs> and uh, so um, we'll get into that in a moment. But I want to ask you something because the reason I wanted you on the show is because I learned um, that you have been vegetarian for over 38 years. What led you to being vegetarian? Yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I kind of feel everybody kind of has to find what's right for them. And I grew up. In a family of good old Italian family from Long Island. And we, you know, we ate meat three times a day. And, uh, but all through my, my youth kind of, and, and even through high school. And I, I was, uh, I, I wasn't unhealthy, but I, I never was entirely, I never felt entirely great, you know, and I, I suffered from sort of some stomach issues. And, uh, I used to get these migraines that they said were hereditary. They were so bad. Oh my God. They were just awful, awful. And I used to have to come home from school and <clears throat> just all this kind of stuff. And I, I found myself kind of, um, at, at one point, and this, this affects also mentally, you know, I was going through some, uh, personal mental challenges, not that there was anything you could point out and say, Oh yeah, that was happening in your life. That's bad. You must have been, you know, suffering, but because, because, uh, you know, depression or anxiety, it's all, in the head you know <clears throat> based on the thoughts that we're thinking so I think it was around uh, 1980 I was 20 years old and I had a lot of things going for me everything was uh, uh streaming along I had a great gig I was working with Frank Zappa playing the guitar loving it but I just wasn't in a state of I was in a state of disarray both physically and mentally and it got really bad until finally one point you know when you hit A particular point uh you 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 kind of uh you surrender in a sense and i remember it was on my 22nd birthday i was in europe with frank zappa and i just felt like i had to make some drastic changes in my life i was ready you know you're not going to make changes until you're ready and at that point i was ready and and oddly enough uh, a friend had given me a book and it was called the Complete Illustrated Book of Yoga by Vishnu Devananda, and it was the first introduction for me to any to anything that uh, was deeper than just the surface reality that I was living. You know, the, this book pointed to the, the the inner self, you know, the the, the true self, and, and these kinds of terminologies are kind of hard to wrap the brain around sometimes, but. Uh, there was a lot of other very valuable things in this book for me that inspired me. I mean, it was a book on yoga, but you got to remember in 1980, <laughs> 82, <laughs> yeah. yoga wasn't seen. Yeah. It's not seen like it is today. Today people go and do yoga and they, it's, it's postures and it's great. But back then yoga was more uh, a whole lifestyle. It had to do, uh, with meditation and particular diets. And so this book, uh, taught various meditational techniques and propounded the glorious uh, uh the gloriousness of vegetarianism. And as soon as I read about the vegetarianism something said that that's that's for me. I don't know why, but that was for me. It just felt right. It felt natural. So at that time I I, I kind of became almost a little obsessed and neurotic about it, you know, where I just stopped everything. I was, I was smoking, I stopped smoking. I, stopped eating anything that had preservatives or anything like that and I became a vegetarian. Now I don't there was a, a there was a shift, a whole shift in my consciousness at that time too, very slowly. But I have to tell you, and I, I don't know if it was necessarily the vegetarianism or not, but uh since that day I just I don't get sick often. All those stomach issues completely went away. I never get like, you know, the runs or I, I, I very, very rare, I rarely throw up. I mean, like back then, I, I would throw up once a month or something, you know, now, now it's like I I can count on one hand the amount of times I've, you know, thrown up in the past 20 years, you know, and the migraines went away and they never returned. Never, not
0: even once. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's,
1: that's, that's, uh, that's uh, yeah. Now, like I say, I don't know if it's uh, from the vegetarianism, but it just felt right to me and i'm not a you know i don't wave a flag i i absolutely feel that people have to find what's right for them and everybody's different but what i what I, uh, the other thing that i realized as i progressed uh, through that uh, trajectory of that first book i read which was you know basically a metaphysical type spiritual book like i stayed on that path and uh studied many different uh more in-depth metaphysical uh, types of teachings, all sorts of stuff, and have pieced things together that really worked for me. And I've never been back. I've never been back to that place uh, of that kind of anxiety and depression, and that was 38 years ago. (laughs)
0: Well, uh, you've Um, you've already answered my second question because you've you've already covered – a lot of the things that you benefited from by going vegetarian. You don't have the migraines. You're not dealing with stomach issues. Uh, you yeah. seem very uh, more clear-minded. You know that you're very in tune with yourself. And that kind of leads me into the next question because I know that so many people who decide to walk away from a, a heavy uh, meat uh, pr- and processed diet and then they get into fruits and vegetables and more of these the natural foods their body goes through a stage of, of rebirth. I mean, the body's detoxifying naturally, yeah. things are getting cleared out yeah. and things are going away. And, and so you've, you've definitely experienced that. So do you feel that by being vegetarian all these years, has it helped you to be more creative in your music? Because now that you have a clearer thought process to work with,
1: well, it's hard to say because I, I, I re- hardly remember my life when I wasn't a vegetarian. You know what I mean? All of the great creativity that, uh, uh, that I, or any of the creativity that I've been able to uh, manifest all happened while I was a vegetarian. So I, I wouldn't really know, you know, uh, well. but I can tell you that, um, it's there's a clarity <clears> there <throat> there's just you know it's a part of me feels as though it's it's not even so much what you eat as opposed to how you feel about what you eat and uh, you know the the uh, the worst thing that you can eat is something that you think is bad for you but there's just this instinctual kind of feeling in me and and i'm not you know i i i would never say that what's right for me is right for Everybody or anybody else, but it just doesn't make sense meat eating it just doesn't there's so many things about it when I think about it when i feel feel it, it, it I'm totally okay with people eating me, but it just seems all sorts of weird wrong you know I'm sorry
0: I can <laughs> agree no it i it doesn't I,
1: resonate with <laughs> me at all <laughs>
0: yeah well i i do but I do agree with your your thought and your feeling about it because you know. I live in Texas and the thing is, is, you know, there's a steak on every corner. There's a hamburger on every corner. Yeah. But the problem is in, in today's society, especially with the meat industry, it's so processed. These things are not, these animals oh, yeah. are not grass fed. And the the list goes on of the cruelty and, you know, there's a spirituality yeah. component that a lot of people, a lot of vegans and vegetarians talk about, and uh, that is not to be ignored. Um, so no, I completely understand what you're feeling and your thought about it is. And, you know, for a lot of people out there, if they would, you know, practice, um, uh, you know, become a vegetarian, a lot of people, I believe that their health issues would actually just kind of vanish.
1: I, I, I agree. Uh, but like I say, I, I also feel that you have to have the, the align yourself, uh, emotionally and you you have to uh, kind of feel good about what you're doing you know i have vegetarian friends that you know they don't look so good <laughs> you, know, they, not, uh, men, you know they're not meant you know mentally they're just in a state of uh, uh you know disarray and uh, and i think diet helps but you have to be in touch with your body and your body knows what it needs you know your body has an intelligence to it i mean we don't beat our heart. You know, we don't breathe our lungs, really. We don't do the billions of functions. We're unconscious of them, basically. <clears throat> and and your body, you know, the billions of functions that your body does. And it requires uh, you to be in alignment to do the best job that it can. And uh, so, so, you know, being in alignment with your body and, and being able to listen to it. Most people, you know, I, I know this because this is the way I was. They're in their head. But if you put your attention in your body, it kind of, you, you get a, a feeling of, first of all, what it is you're, you're feeling, you know? And, um, it, it can guide you because to, to tell somebody of the, the benefits of, let's say, being a vegetarian and you can prove it. You can show it on paper. You can show it. It's not going to, it's not going to change somebody until they're ready and they, they just have that inner conviction. But uh, I know for me, once I went vegetarian, everything changed for me.
0: Well, you know, Steve, I can uh, understand that thought process because there are people who can uh, go on a diet. You know, there's a lot of people that say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going on a vegetarian diet. And then there are those like you who actually have a vegetarian lifestyle. And those two things are completely different from one another, even though the meals may look the same but a diet and a lifestyle are two different things and um yeah. and you're definitely living the lifestyle and and what i find very interesting cuz you bring up something that i think a lot of of today's society a lot of millennials do not understand is that yoga is really a spiritual journey and like you said you know you came across this book in 1980 and today yo- yoga And even vegetarianism has become so commercialized that they've actually left out the spiritual component. And maybe people are not getting the the full benefit from it.
1: Well, they they will eventually. They they are gradually. The the whole world is changing slowly. A, a, A section of the whole world. People are becoming more conscious. You know, I mean, sure, you open up the newspaper and turn on the TV, and you think we're all going to hell in a handbag. <laughs> but there's a whole underground movement of people that they they want peace, they like peace, they 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 want to be happy. They just want to live good, fun, enjoyable, creative, clear lives. More and more and more, and that's happening. And I think we you can see that if you look. You can see it in all sorts of sectors, and the diet sector is definitely one of them because being a vegetarian for 38 years, I've seen how it's changed. Back then, in order for me to find a vegetarian restaurant, I had this little book that I had to carry around that had all the restaurants in the United States that were vegetarian because I was traveling all the time. And you you had to get a new book every six to eight months because the places were closing, you know? Oh, my God. How do do you prepare
0: your meals while on tour?
1: Oh, I can find something to eat anywhere, you know, and also now these days, I, uh, uh you know, you you put it on your rider, you say, after, after the show, Steve would like to have, you know, and you just kind of <laughs> spill out a bunch of stuff and it's there, you know, and you can now you can say organic. Back then, organic was a weird word. Meditation was a weird word. Yoga, vegetarianism, they're all kind of underground, but look at it now. I mean... It's, it's a, it's the way people are evolving, you know, and I think you're going to see, well, you can just see it. There's less and less smoking, less and less meat eating, more and more and more conscious living, more and more. I mean, when I moved to LA in 1980, we had smog alerts. You would walk outside and there was always a layer of green and orange in the air. And they had alerts from one to four. And on a stage four smog alert, they recommended you don't go outside. And when you go outside, you look, it was a thick layer of disgusting stuff (laughs) in the air.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: It's not here. It's not here anymore. I never, you hardly ever see smog ever because we're changing. People are changing. And it's good. It's beautiful to watch.
0: It is. And I think a lot of people, um, have pushed for that change. You know, a lot of companies are uh, a lot of restaurants are changing their menus. A lot of companies are changing the way that they process and, and uh, grow or raise their food uh, for the public. And and the public has, the public has demanded, you know, healthier choices, but you know, I have been, backstage at, at at concerts more times than I can count and one thing I've noticed in the last few years is that more and more musicians are they seem to be choosing a healthier lifestyle now has green tea actually replaced whiskey and beer now
1: <laughs> well I was never a drinker really you know and uh, all the bands I've been in uh, the guys are sober you know they've either they've either been through it or they just were never in it, you know? So I, I don't uh,
0: Let me see. What did we drink? <laughs> well, you know, maybe yes, it is, because I know that Red at the age Bowl. of 12, you started taking guitar lessons from Joe Satriani, and then at 18, you began your professional music career transcribing for, which I find amazing, and then playing with the legendary Frank Zappa. Are you surprised where your mm-hmm. career has taken you and how you are now considered... By the fans as one of the greatest guitarists in all the world.
1: Well, yeah, it's always a a surprise and delight. I mean, it's 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 kind of like um, you put your you put your head down and you you get a creative idea. And when I look back through my career, there was the the one thing that was always paramount. There was, there was, a lot of things were important. How you're going to make a living? How you're going to uh, uh, who are you going to work with? How are you going to get your music out? How are you going to pay for it? all these things? They were, they were important, but they weren't of vital importance. A vital importance to me seems to have always been a good idea. You know, when, when a good idea would come, a compelling idea, when a creative per, when, when a person gets a creative idea that's really compelling, it's almost like you become myopic, you know, you're, I would just do it. And there was so much enjoyment in picking up the guitar and not being able to do something and then working on it and then being able to do it and, and hearing music in my head and that, how the music moved me and how I would create it. So that, that's all I did. And it's all I ever do. And, and I, the success kind of, uh, was a consequence of that, I think. And I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful. I never expected to achieve all of this but it's really a byproduct i think because it's not the i know this sounds cliche but it's not the um the reason i do it and i don't think it's the reason why anybody does things that they love you know for the money or the fame because the money and fame have have its challenges too you know sure um but yeah, but uh, but it, it can be very nice, and I'm very grateful and appreciative because.
0: Well, well let me ask you something, my... Steve. Because you know we all know as fans and and music lovers um, that you have there. There's no denying your incredible skill when it comes to playing the guitar and writing. But I read uh, probably one of the many articles that were in all the guitar magazines. I think Guitar World was definitely one of them. And do you still practice ear training on a daily or weekly basis?
1: Well, um, formally, no. I mean, I I don't usually sit and listen to intervals and try to name them or transcribe stuff to, to improve my ears. But whenever you pick up an instrument and you're searching for a melody inside your inner ear, it's a form of ear training.
0: Yeah, I get that. I get that. You know, because I, I have read so much in the past where, you know, you had really put a strong emphasis on that, which I think is really great. Um, I've got... Oh, yeah. Well, I've that's got a your do- best
1: friend. Having a good ear is your best friend.
0: Yeah, I've got a, a son and daughter, and my son always seemed to be playing by ear. My daughter would play by ear, but then at the same time, she, you know, would learn how to, to read music, and so it it was really interesting to watch them do that but i want to kind of step back uh, yeah. for uh for the past uh, few months or year, for the last year you have recently toured with zach wilde yingve Malmstein, nuno bettencourt and Tosin abasi and all of them have very mm-hmm. different guitar styles so when you put generation acts together what were you looking for when choosing fellow guitarist
1: Well, the diversity, but also they needed to be able to function on the same playground, so to speak. And and all of them have uh, sort of a heavy rock, if not metal, integrity. But it's the world they live in, and they're completely authentic at what they do. These guys, each one of those guys, are accomplished. They they've been through the ropes. They've had they have well. Tosin's kind of you know he's new <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he's he's fantastic yeah but all those guys are very confident in what they do they uh they're fun to tour with and they uh they're just bosses you know what i mean they, oh they, they well,
0: yeah <laughs> i actually i ran into zach um Oh we had God. left L. We had left L. A. Flying into Houston. I think he was going down to South America for two, and I ran into him. And he's just the nicest guy in the world. And and I've seen all these guys yeah, as well as you great. in yeah. in concert. Well, I want to ask you something. Um, are we going to see more, uh, more Generation Acts? And um, is Generation Acts is it considered a spinoff of your famous uh G3 concerts? Well well G three
1: was something that my buddy Joe Satriani put together. And uh you know, I was I, I do G three tours occasionally in the beginning I I was pretty consistent with them. Uh and they're fantastic tours, but they're just a little different than this. Uh G three is more like individual bands and artists. Like, you know, if Joe performed he would do a set and then there'd be a break and they'd change the stage and then I might do a set, you know. But Generation X is, is different in that there's one backing band and it's a seamless show and the guitarists come on and off the stage in different groupings and actually play pretty, pretty in-depth things together. On the last tour, we did, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. And I mean, every one of Freddie's vocals, we did them on the guitar.
0: Oh my God. I got
1: every one of the vocals. You can't believe how beautiful it sounds. And it was, the, I, I, it was so nice to stand up there and to hear those beautiful guitars humming in perfect harmony such a classic iconic song it just resonates right through you and it really connects you with the other guys because you have to listen you have to listen really really closely and breathe you have, even have to breathe with them you know what i mean oh <laughs> it
0: yeah was, it was really
1: nice and yeah.
0: Well, have you uh, well? Did, did well then? Have you seen uh, the movie Bohem- Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, I did. I, I it. loved it. I yeah, loved I it. It, was,
1: uh, it, it. I was a huge, huge Queen fan. Well, I am a huge Queen fan. As a matter of fact, Brian May is my favorite rock guitarist.
0: Well, I was going to ask so, you, and that absolutely surprises me. I mean, Brian May is up there, but what is it about Brian May that? uh leaves you in awe his
1: choice of notes the tone in his fingers the way the way he phrases thing things it's completely mature and it's beautiful and the way he can appropriate the guitar to a song organically to make it work and you know he has he has great chops you know he's not necessarily like a shredder but every every note that he plays has its own zip code you know, it's just so beautifully rounded, and and that's just a single note chord playing. I mean, as far as orchestrating guitars, there's nobody that that, that I've ever heard, ever, that even that even knocks on the door that he the house that he lives in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, he's unique in the most superlative sense of the word.
0: And, you know, and its and I find it also uh, incredible, even amazing, and even magical that the guitar that he plays, I believe, is the one that he and his father actually way. built together. And he's never yeah. strayed away from that one guitar. He, he didn't go to Fender. He didn't go to Ibanez or PRS or Gibson. He had that one guitar. Um, and to me... That that guitar is probably probably one of the most priceless um, pieces of music history in the world, if we think about it. Absolutely.
1: It's a phenomenon. I mean, it's a phenomenon, that guitar. And what's funny is that he does. He takes it everywhere he goes. And I remember I was having lunch with him once. And he had a guitar sitting next to him, and we were talking about his guitar, and he goes, oh yeah, here it is. I'm like, don't, don't you can put it with you in the restaurant. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I remember uh, when I was a young kid, I would just moved out to California, uh, and I was working for Zappa, a huge, huge Queen fan, and I went to this uh, club called The Rainbow. And Brian May was at the bar, and I, I just couldn't believe it. And I went up and started talking to him, and he was so nice. He invited me to a Queen rehearsal.
0: Oh my God! And I went
1: down to this. I went to this Queen rehearsal. There's Freddie, and there's all the guys, and I'm looking. I I studied that guitar as a kid, you know, and all through my teenage years. And one of the first concerts I ever saw was Queen, and um, there was the guitar right there, and and he and I says, "Is that it?" And he goes, "Yeah, that's it. You want to play it?"
0: <laughs> oh my gosh!
1: <laughs> and I remember thinking. Wow, I'm finally going to see what it feels like in, you know, to sound like Brian, you know. And it was so odd. I picked up the guitar and I started playing, and you know what? I sounded just like me. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't sound anything like Brian. And yeah. uh, and I really—it's a hard guitar to play. Really. I mean, it's just—it's got this giant neck, and the action is really high, and uh, it wasn't set up the way I, I'm really comfortable on a guitar. But I just couldn't believe I was playing the guitar. That that uh, expressed the notes that had such a huge impact on me in my life.
0: That that is, I love the story, Steve. I love that story. I mean, mm-hmm. I have I saw Queen with Freddie. I had front row seats and ended up with his with his towel after the concert. Got makeup all over it. Ah. And I have it. <laughs> I have it framed in my office, and I'm like, that's the real Freddie Mercury. And uh, there's not right a front on, man. Brother. Yeah, there's not a front man like him, but I want to, I've want i got something to ask you because many consider your album, Passion and Warfare, your greatest work. And I have a question that came from my own son, Sterling, who as that you are the inspiration as to why he learned to play the guitar as his teacher is Rusty Cooley, another top shredder yeah. in, the, in this world. Um, And his question is, Sterling's question is this to you. What was your inspiration in writing "Blue Powder," which happens to be his favorite Steve Vai song?
1: Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you. Um, well, at the time, I was I started to work with Carvin amplifiers, and they asked me to write a song that they could, uh, you know, where I use that amp where they can use as a demo. So that was basically the the kickoff of it, but. I wasn't sure what I was going to write, you know, but I wanted something that went through all these different tonal colors and harmonic colors, so I can kind of show up the amp, so to speak. But that was really the surface stuff. But one day I was I, I, I was kind of trying to conceive of something that I wanted, and I just I just played that first riff, you know, from from bang bang, and then the whole song just it was there. You know, it was there in my mind, and it just flowed effortlessly and instantly. And uh, the inspiration behind it, I wouldn't say was necessarily a particular thing that I said, "Okay, I'm going to write a song about this or whatever." I, I just wanted beautiful melody. I wanted it to be a little bluesy, but I never really, uh, I'm never really comfortable playing traditional blues. I'm not, am not very good at it, but I like. but I learned everything I learned was based on blues in a sense, you know? So when I started playing Blue Powder, my inner guidance, so to speak, as a, as a musician just took me uh, into different directions. Like I would hear a chord and hear a melody, and then I'd just go about finding the chord and the melody and, and just one thing led to another and it just. Came out very effortlessly.
0: Are you amazed that after 27 years since Passion and Warfare, how popular that album still is?
1: Yeah, it's quite a blessing in in my career. Uh, any artist could only hope for something like that. You know, having that one record that is so well received by a particular group of uh, music lovers. I, I I just can't believe it. It's kind of like, I listened to it not too long ago when I had to remaster it for the 25th anniversary. And all I could think of is, wow, man, who was that guy? I put so much work into it, but it didn't feel like work, you know? It was just uh, a glorious expression, you know, just being in the studio. It was, it was just something that I just so loved doing. And well, uh, it it made itself that way.
0: You know, that's what I love about your instrumental work. Um, there's definitely a passion there. There's creativity. Uh, I like the way you describe music and and notes as 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 colors. And you know, for all of us, when we listen to a song, you know, it it imprints certain memories or it creates a memory for the listener. And, uh, you know, you're, you know, I think, uh, you're in another world or on another planet, but since Brian May is the astrophysicist, <laughs> we could probably put him in that category, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you he know, called, it he
1: calls me the, uh, in jazz, he calls me the genius of the space aged guitar.
0: That's uh, so charming. That, that <laughs> works. I, I think that works very, very well. Well, yeah, we it kind of works in a way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are at the end of our interview, and I'm going to ask you one quick question. And um, this is—I don't even know where this is going to go, but I know that uh, online, everyone's heard about possible rumors and people denying rumors of a, a possible reunion Van Halen tour. But will we ever see a reunion of sorts of you, David Lee Roth, and Billy Sheehan for an Edelman Smile tour?
1: well you you never know you know it's uh something that's come up now and then and if the stars aligned sure that might be very nice uh, you, you know my my career is when when I'm planning my career I I or my next projects you have to plan years in advance you know what i mean
0: oh yeah i'm already
1: booked out to 2021 you know so uh, not, you know if nothing if nothing is written in stone and, and booked way ahead, it doesn't really uh happen and uh with this kind of thing you know dave uh w- when we've spoken about it the the timing just wasn't quite right
0: well, that is the most diplomatic answer I have heard, and I think uh you answered that extremely <laughs> well. <laughs>
1: Thank
0: you. I've had a lot of practice. I bet you have. Well, well, Steve, my gosh, you have not only made my day, you have made the day of many fans. And I want to thank you so much for coming on to Life Changing Wellness, talking about your vegetarian lifestyle, but also sharing your thoughts in the areas of music and your career. And uh, just one little quick question. What are we looking uh, into the future for 2019 for Steve Vai?
1: Oh, well, thank you. Uh, well, Friday is kind of a little special day in that, uh, I'm, two projects are coming out. I have a, uh, piano reductions volume two. Piano reductions is a a series of CDs that I released that are, uh, solo. It's their solo piano of a great virtuoso playing, uh, my song. So the first one had Mike Keneally and he did, he's an amazing artist and he did 11 tracks. And that was volume one. And volume two comes out. And I met this, um, this amazing virtuoso young girl from Japan. Her name is Miho Arai. And uh, she just tore it up. And it's a beautiful record. And that comes out Friday. And also on Friday, uh, you know, it's interesting. Quite often I get asked by young musicians what the uh, value is or the importance of understanding music theory. And I always tell them, well, it, it it doesn't matter if you know music theory or not in order to be a effective musician, but it always helps. It can always it can help. Uh so I actually wrote a book and it's coming out Friday and it's called Videology, Basic Music Theory for Guitar Players. And I really feel that if there's guitar players out there that have a question mark over their head, it's It's basics, but it's comprehensive, and it's something I always wanted to do. It's sort of my contribution because I've always loved music theory. I've embraced it. I utilize it, and now it's it's just laid out in a very practical, easy-to-follow form, and after that, I'm going off the grid and going to hunker down in the studio and reinvent myself as a guitar player.
0: Ah, fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Again, Steve, it has been an absolute honor and a pleasure having you on the show today. And, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, definitely go out, buy his albums, check out his work. If you don't know who Steve Vai is, but I know a lot of you who are my friends and listeners, you're as guitar crazy as I am. And you exact, you know exactly who this man is. And for those of you who want to learn more, Go get his book, and Steve, where can they purchase your new book?
1: Oh, you can get it on my website. You can get it uh, through the Hal Leonard site. You can get it at any music store, um, or you can download the PDF in various online stores. It's pretty easy to get. That's the uh, the the music theory book.
0: Ah, fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, check out Vi.com. And remember, to catch every episode of Life-Changing Wellness, just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at RadioMD.com slash Bond. And if I can ask you a favor, Please take 30 seconds, rate the show on iTunes. I want to thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. And now you can download our show on Spotify. Just look up Dr. Bond's Life Changing Wellness, and you can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. And don't forget, every Friday, our radio show in Chicago on 1590 a.m. WCGO between 4 and 5 p.m. So check us out. We have more amazing guests and amazing topics to make you feel better. So thank you for listening to Life Changing Wellness. I'm Dr. Ward Bond. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.